We will talk about the NFL schedule, but let's start with mini camps and rookie camps. Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings' new head coach, is taking a slightly different approach than Mike Zimmer did. It's really the first marked difference, obvious public difference we've seen over the previous regime. Let's get into that. And also, I want to go back to uh, asking who your favorite NFL announcers are. Uh, and also heard a former NFL star praise the Vikings in a very unexpected way. Let's get to all that here on the Viking Update Show. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. He's John Krasinski from The Athletic. Our producer is Brandon Morton. We recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. You can find all the shows, all the archives of all the shows at TalkNorth.com. You can follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. See all the shows as they are released. So O'Connell, you know, first of all, he's been a very cheerful, gregarious kind of guy. That's been different. But really the only the first real football difference we've seen since the draft kind of felt old school is that he he's going to approach rookie minicamp or has approached rookie minicamp in a different way. Yeah, just so they had just 42 players on the field for rookie minicamp for their initial, you know, days of, of, of getting some rookies in here. And typically, especially in Minnesota, but I think this applies a, around the league, is you, you bring 70 or 80 guys um, in and, and, and just try out a bunch of guys and get a look and see if you can find some diamonds in the rough, just see what, see what is out there in terms of a scouting aspect, in terms of just, you know, getting these guys into your building and, um, and, and getting a look at them. Maybe you need them early. Maybe you'll need them in training camp when you have some injuries, you know, there's so many different reasons for getting a lot of people in, but O'Connell kind of went a different route and he kept it very tight, um, uh, with, with just a, you know, you know, 42 guys and what he has said is like that he wanted to focus more on quality reps for the guys who were here and and getting them up to speed and I thought it was interesting because it makes sense in a way when you're instituting a fully new philosophy offense and defense and and you're 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 bringing in an entirely different sort of culture and infrastructure to not to 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 kind of try and rely on and lean on the 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 ones who you drafted the ones who you think have a real shot at making this team and and getting them to put an extra foot forward by getting more reps by getting more familiarity with it by by just being ready um for the real mini camps and being able to step in and and, and do some things and you know, when you have as many players as some of the Spielman Zimmer regime brought in, there's fewer reps to go around. There's fewer, uh, there, there's just kind of, there can be a little more confusion in terms of you can get lost in the, in the shuffle a little bit more. This seemed to be a lot more concentrated, a lot more focused and a lot more, um, reliant and, 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 you know, concentrating on really trying to get, the DNA of of the changes that they are making into these kids first, and then getting it into the veterans coming up this week. So I just thought it was it was different. We have seen a lot of similarities in the way that Spielman and Quasi ran the draft, and 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 a lot of those things. So this was just a real stark difference that I just thought was notable. Uh, another comparison I want to make. First of all, I want to thank Starbank, Starbank.net. TSR Injury Law, 612 TSR Time, and Head Flyer Brewing. I'll tell you more about them later. 
it you know what I found interesting is when Zimmer first got here, I I did spend some time talking to him off podium or away from cameras and just kind of had some one on ones. Sometimes I would grab him after a game, talk to him one on one, and I think he really wanted to be a modern coach. He talked about resting players. He talked about practicing at different times of the day or flying at different times of the day to make sure the players' body clocks were were right. Uh, he I think he wanted to go down that road. I think the problem is anytime his team lost two games in a row, he kind of went back to old school, let's butt heads and get get tougher. Uh, I, my guess is O'Connell will, will, will stay on that path a little longer. I, th- I think you're totally right, Jim. I think like what you saw from Mike Zimmer was, yeah, like I, I think it's important to like to lay this distinction out. He wasn't a, a dinosaur coach in the terms of, like being completely blind, sorry, pardon, pardon the pun with his eye issues, but being completely blind to advancements in player safety and the way that you ran practices and the way you, that you traveled at a lot of these things. He, know, he knows and he knew at the time that there were some things that coaches need to, needed to do differently in this era than they did when he was coaching in Dallas in the late 90s. Um, and so he absolutely tried to be open-minded to a lot of that. John DeFilopo is just another thing with, you know, just kind of in terms of the offensive innovation and all of those things. But the problem for him was that when the adversity hit and when some of the uh, issues started to arise, that is when he immediately kind of doubted Th- those kind of newfangled ideas and that was to blame and i know what wins football games and i'm just going to really revert to doing that and so as much as he wanted to change and as much as he wanted to adapt and be open to to new things there were just things within him like in his bones as a football coach that he couldn't get out of there. And so and so when things were not going well, he's like, I know how to fix it. This is what we have to do. I think with O'Connell, all of these things are not, he's not um, trying to incorporate these things because he feels obligated to because that's what other people are doing. He really believes in them. And so the, this, this kind of approach is what is in his bones. And so I think even if it doesn't work right away or they do lose a couple of games or things like uh, of that nature, I don't think you're going to see him kind of turn into hardcore old school football guy because that's just not who he is. That's who Mike Zimmer is. And, and so, um, and, and so I just think that he is going to stay true to this operation and the way that this thing is going more so than Mike Zimmer does. Now, does that mean that it's going to work? No, it, it 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 doesn't guarantee that. But I don't think that you will see sort of the ebbs and the flows um, the way that you did with Mike Zimmer um, that way. I think this is what Kevin O'Connell believes in. This is certainly what Quasi Adolfo Mensa believes in as well. And that's going to be made clear to everyone in the organization from day one. And it's already has been. And I, I don't think they're going to waver from that. No, I agree with you. A good way to put it. Uh, another topic I wanted to get on, I, I, and this is a little old, but I, I just find it interesting. Luke Keekley, the uh, great Carolina Panthers linebacker, was on, I believe it was ESPN recently, and he said he thinks the Vikings have a chance 
to have the best secondary in football. And it's fascinating when you hear somebody with knowledge outside of this market say something that nobody in this market would dare say right now. Yeah, it, it is interesting. Um, and you, what I respect about that, whether he's going to be right or wrong, I think it's clearly an educated take. Like he, mm -hmm. he didn't, you know, he didn't just like look at, you know, obviously the Vikings, you know, didn't like the Redskins back in the day when they signed Deion Sanders and they signed all these guys. And then you say, oh, absolutely. This is the way it's going to be. You, if you have to be a thinking man to look at the uh, the way that the Viking secondary is structured and and say to yourself, OK, I see the pieces here that fit and that are going this this is why this is all going to work out so um i'm assuming and i i you know you're you're bringing that up i hadn't heard that but like my assumption is is he looks at maybe um you get lewis seen in here uh, as a first round pick seems like a really impressive dude but you also have cam bynum um at safety who had some moments last season alongside harrison smith so there's a little bit to work with there you bring patrick peterson back um, as a veteran, you, and if Andrew Booth um, becomes reliable from a health standpoint, you have some talent there, and you and and he's looking at the pieces and and evaluating them on what he thinks that their potential is, not what anyone else does. And so, um, a person like Luke Keekley, who is about as good of a defensive football player as there has been, you know, in his era, certainly, uh, you have to respect his his take on it. I don't know that it's going to happen. I mean, certainly they're going to be challenged by Aaron Rodgers and 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 by the schedule that they have coming up. Um, but it I will say that hearing him say that makes me um look at will make me take an extra look at it. You know, someone that smart, someone who has that good of a feel of things, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay a closer attention maybe and not be quite as dismissive as I was probably previous to that and just say, okay, what is Luke Keekly seeing and, and how is this all going to fit together? Uh, it, it, it has me intrigued for sure. One thing we've learned, uh, because somebody did a screen capture of Stephen Jones of the Cowboys holding up their draft sheet, thinking that he was just being flippant. And of course somebody screamed, you know, took a photo of it and blew it up and figured out what their actual draft board looked like. And they had seen at like either 13th or 14th, uh, which is pretty fascinating because, you know, if the Vikings, you know, we're still, as we always say, we're not going to know anything for a while. But if the Vikings got somebody who could have gone mid first round to other teams uh, as late as they did, maybe it, it does end up playing out well. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's an X factor, right? I mean, you know, we like I'll, I'll, I, I, I've said it on this podcast. I've said it elsewhere. I was certainly scratching my head watching the way that they navigated the, the early parts of the draft and the trade downs and the value that they got in return and all of those things. Um, but, you know, in the end, ultimately, this could very well be a results over process type of a situation. And if they, if Booth, you know, is a, you know, uh, is fully healthy, is able to play 15, 16, 17 games next year, and 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 they can keep him on the field. I do believe that they they may have a first round talent there, and that when you can get a first round talent where they got him, um, and and if he if he is reliable and on the field, that does 
does change the complexion of a draft pretty quickly. Most of the people that I talk to as well, Jim, like they really do like seeing they, they, yep. they look at him as a really good player, very smart, a good character guy to have in your locker room, um, all of those things. So it's entirely possible that, you know, they moved all the way down there. And I, I disagree with the return that they got to move down there, but they still end up with a really good player at that spot. Someone who can be in this league a long time and make an impact and, and, and do a really good job. Um, so if some of those things start to come together and everything works out that way, then you're going to look at it and say, Hey, great job crazy in terms of at least you identified players that you really liked and that can be uh, very productive on the field. That's the most important thing of all of this, whatever happens in the draft, wherever you pick, whatever mo- deals you make to be able to identify productive players and get them uh, on your team. That's the name of the game. So if you do that in the end, you got to tip your hat to him and say, okay, good job. If Kyle Hamilton becomes Ed Reed, you know, if, if scene doesn't work out, if Andrew Booth cannot stay healthy, you know, that's when you, you start to look at and say, okay, we all at the time questioned some of the methods behind uh, how you got to these picks. And then these picks are not working out as well. That's where you get into trouble. But, um, but from a pure physical ability standpoint, a lot of these guys you look at and say, yeah, they fit the profile. I can see how this could work out. Now they have to have some things that are, that go in their way from health standpoint, from understanding the game standpoint, all of that to, to make it come to fruition. Yeah. I, I've heard only good things about scene, uh, since they drafted him, he, he was impressive at his, his press availability. So I, I you know, we're, again, we're dealing in feelings at this point more than mm-hmm. any tangible facts, but I, I feel better about that pick now than maybe the moment they made it uh, for whatever that's worth. And by the way, if you want to, uh, the Vikings' former general manager's view on all this. You can check out the Jeff Diamond show on this network. We've also added Dave Lee of WCCO fame. We've added uh, Mike Grimm, the Go Gopher podcast. And we have a massive amount of great outdoor content at talknorth.com. I also want to let you know that big banks aren't the only ones with mobile apps and convenient financial services. I'd like to tell you about Star Bank. Star Bank is an independent community bank in Minnesota. They're family-owned and treat customer relationships as a top priority. You're not a customer number at Star Bank, and they have no call center. It's just banking how it should be, a throwback to the good days. Mobile app, check. Convenient services, you got it. Check out Star Bank for yourself. For deposits and lending solutions, work with a local community bank that cares. Starbank.net, member FDIC and equal housing lender. We also want to thank TSR Injury Law 612 TSR time. We hear questions like these all the time. Can TSR injury law help me if I'm hurt by a defective product? Yes. How about by a dog bite? Yeah. If you've been injured, it's TSR time. Call us today for a free consultation at 612 TSR time. And we want to hear from John about Head Flyer Brewing. Yeah, Jim, Head Flyer Brewing, Northeast Minneapolis, right on Hennepin Avenue, Northeast, uh, just off of 35W North, very accessible, great tap room, Awesome beers. Uh, it's one of the things that I, I I really enjoy our relationship at Talk North with Head Flyer because my wife and I have been going to Head Flyer for years. Like we love their beer selection. We we grab it in growlers and bring it home with us. Uh, we'll we'll get it in cans that they have. We'll go to the tap room, sit on the patio like we did on Saturday night, have a crunch time beer, and just kind of enjoy the weather. Uh, watch a little game on a big screen and have fun. So when I tell you that uh, to to stop into Head Flyer Brewing to have a beer 
and, and check it out. It's because I really believe in it. I, I've been doing it for a lot longer than um, before we had any kind of a financial relationship with them. And even since then, it's, it's, it's even gotten better. Just getting to know Neil and the guys um, at Headflyer. They're a great group of people um, doing great work and, and serving great beers. And so you can't beat that. Headflyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis, headflyerbrewing.com. Thank you to Headflyer Brewing. So let's get into the schedule. Talked about this with Jeff the other day. And of course, we we already knew that they're going to play in London. We already knew they're going to play at Philadelphia. Bring your hard hats. I think the most fascinating aspect of what we learned about the rest of the schedule when it was released last week is home opener against Green Bay. I think that's a great thing for the Vikings. Uh, kind of a new group of receivers having to operate in a very loud venue, their first real game together. I think that's advantage Vikings. I think at Green Bay and at Chicago, January 1 and January 8th is a really bad deal for the Vikings having to play, you know, for a dome team that's historically not as good on grass to have to play in those conditions at that time of the year in what could be very meaningful games. I think that's a bad deal. Yeah. And, and you do hear, you've heard over the years kind of belly aching from Packer fans when the Vikings go to Green Bay early in the season. Um, and they look at it as some sort of conspiracy of the schedule makers and all of that. They always do want the Vikings at Lambeau late in the season. I understand it. Um, I do think it's an advantage for the Packers, but, but Jim, is it really the biggest advantage for the Packers, given how we've seen Aaron Rodgers perform in the playoffs at Lambeau and right. cold weather lately, it's not exactly been, you know, um, Mr. Reliable in that way. So maybe in some kind of crazy way, shape or form, maybe that will actually play into the Vikings hands a little bit as well. Um, if they can get Rodgers and an offense with, yeah, a bunch of new receivers, uh, probably without any real star receivers and things like that. Uh, to do um, to get out on that on that cold field and 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 just shut down the run and see if you have a chance. Maybe that's the the way to look at it here. Yeah, and, and of course we we have no idea how this is all going to play out, but uh, I do think it's fascinating that the Vikings got stuck with those games. They're great TV games, and the NFL is yes. a TV league. Watching the Vikings play in potential snow and muck, uh, it's it's so much fun to watch. And, and I also see on, in this schedule. While admitting we don't know how good any of these teams are going to be, what the matchups are going to look like when you get to them, and what the injury factor is going to be, what I find interesting about this schedule is there are places where you can envision a winning streak. You know, mm -hmm. week three, Detroit, from Detroit, New Orleans, and London, Chicago, Miami. Uh, you know, you could see a four-game winning streak there theoretically, and then later yeah. in the season, you know, after after Buffalo, Dallas, New England, you see Jets, Detroit. Indy, the Giants. Uh, that's another potential winning streak uh, if they're good enough and if the matchups work out in their favor. So it's, I think it's kind of a middling schedule in terms of difficulty and challenges, but you can see some upside in it. You can. And I mean, some of the, the tougher games that, you know, theoretically that you think that they're going to have are advantageous. Like, I mean, the Saints aren't projected maybe to be the toughest because of their quarterback situation, but I think they have a lot of talent on their team. And so to get them in London instead of in New Orleans, I think is a huge, huge boon uh, and boost for them. You get the Patriots at home on a month, you know, I, for, for a night game. Um, and, and we'll see what kind of leaps Mac Jones makes in his second year. But, but that looks good. You have the Cowboys at home. Um, and, and so some of the more like the out of division games, the Colts are at home. 
So that's a, that's a good thing. Um, and, and so, you know, a lot of the road games outside of, you know, you, at Buffalo obviously is really, really tough at Philly will probably be pretty tough, but then, you know, at Miami, eh, we'll see, uh, at Washington, psh, totally winnable. Um, you know, some of those, some of those things like that stacks up pretty well in their favor. If Kevin O'Connell and this coaching staff is able to kind of get this team up and running and, 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 and kind of accessing a level of production that, uh, that from an offensively and defensively that Zimmer wasn't able to in the last year. I mean, now you're looking at a team that, that could theoretically get to 10, 11 wins, um, and, and and see how it all shapes out. So I do think from that aspect of it, and you look at the schedule, it is not an overly daunting one. It you can you can say it as a Vikings fan, say, yeah, like this unfolds in a way that we should think that this gives us a chance to be competitive uh in the NFC North this season. No doubt about it. Um so we talked about Tom Brady last week. We had some fun with that topic, and I was looking at you know different partners pairing. And here are some of the top pairings on each network. CBS, Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Fox, Kevin Burkhart, and eventually Tom Brady. NBC, Mike Tirico, Chris Collinsworth, ESPN, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Amazon, Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet. What's your favorite pairing if you have one? Ooh, boy, this is a great question. Um... I I I really want to see Al Michaels and Herb Street together. Um, I think Herb Street does an, a remarkable amount of homework um, and really studies the game. You listening to him in the college game, like he is talking to the assistant special teams coach. Like he is l- like looking into the recruiting of all of these different players and how they got there, and he can tell you a story about so many of them and. And, and and things like that. So from a, from a knowledge standpoint, and also like he does have a great TV presence. Like he just he fills that screen, and he does a great job with it. And I think that he mixes in both real strong um, analysis with having fun on the job as well, and laughing when he when 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 it calls for it, and things like that. And so um, and you pair him with Al Michaels, who is maybe the best play-by-play announcer of all time, uh, at least in football. Um, and I, I think that's a very formidable parent. I like all of those guys, to be honest with you, Jim. I really do want to hear Tom Brady um, when he does uh, retire and gets into that role. And I think Kevin Burkhardt is a great uh, you know, uh, partner for him in that way. I do like Burkhardt a lot. Um, but if I have to choose one, I want to see what Michaels and Herb Street do together and 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 how they operate because I think they could be really good in terms of being able to m- kind of m- mesh the poetry and the science of the game together at, in in a really entertaining way. Once again, you're making me feel like such a jerk, John. Yeah. <laughs> I just I I'm not I'm not excited about any of these pairings. Really? I, I, yeah, uh, um Wow. Why? Nance, Nance's Pollyanna yeah, Romo, I mean, that, I li- yeah, yeah. I liked Romo when he first, and and Nance can be so trite. Uh, yes. Romo, I liked him at first when he was just you know Mister Enthusiastic, calling out what the next play was going to be. I just don't know that that has worn well over time. Burkhart's a pro. Uh, Brady, eh, we'll see. 
Uh, Tariko, I think, is bland. Collinsworth, I used to think was the best. Uh, but I've gotten to a point where I, maybe I've just heard him just gloss over players, you know, quote unquote, off field problems. That I don't like. It's, good it's point. Very good. It's like point. somebody Very will commit rape or battery yeah. or kill someone. And you'll be like, oh, you know, he had, had overcome this adversity. You know, it's just, yes. it's one of those things that sticks in my craw. I, I think yep. he's very talented, very smart, very analytical, but that one thing has really kind of soured him for me. Mm. Uh, Joe Buck, I'm not as anti-Joe Buck as the average Viking fan, but I don't really look forward to it, listen to him anyway. And, and here's the thing, Joe Buck is very good at his job, but yeah. he always adds the extra little smarminess that just <laughs> kind of ruins it. Aikman, I think, is Captain Obvious. Uh, Michaels is great, but, you know, I, I just don't need to hear a lot more about Michaels. And Herb Street is good, um, but I'm not exactly sure how he's going to translate to the NFL on a weekly basis. So, so again, once again, this says more about me than about them. <laughs> I'm just a jerk. Well, actually, I, I will say this, Jim, and I, I can't remember who I was talking to about this recently. Maybe it was, I don't, I, I don't know, but, um, uh, you, I, I, I think you were in the majority uh, on this because mo if you watch, if you're watching a game, if you're watching a, a nationally televised game and you're like, let's say it is Vikings Packers uh, on a Sunday night and you sit down and you watch it and you open your Twitter and you're kind of participating in that and you're seeing kind of the fan remarks and engagement during a game. Uh, every fan hates every announcer. Uh, they all think, you know, they, they all think, ah. Oh, uh, they're, they don't know as much as they, as I do about my team or they're in the bag for the other team or, you know, there, there's all sorts of agendas and, and, and they all, and, and so there is this kind of conspiracy that, um, most of these guys are pretty, you know, take their lumps in social media, uh, because, you know, the, the fan just believes they're smarter and would do a better job at this and, and all of those things. And so, um, I think that you are probably capturing the spirit of the fan better than I am here. I kind of listen to these broadcasts in a different way. And um, and so I really like Al Michaels. I really like Herb Street on college football. And I, I trust that he's going to do the work to, to uh, kind of get up to speed in the NFL as well. Because a lot of, let's face it, he knew he covered a lot of the college players when they were or the NFL players, when they were in college, any coaches that move from college to the NFL, he knows them like so. So I think that will translate pretty easily. And I, I think that in general, I, I, I enjoy the way that he goes about it. Joe Buck, you're right. Smarmy. Um, but I do think has a as a gift for calling the big moments um, and does it does a good job there. Aikman, I thought got better last year, but you're it, it, from and, and kind of went outside of captain obvious a little bit. I think he was trying to get a new deal and, and trying to say, Hey, I'm better than Tony Romo. Um, and, and so I think he actually improved. Uh, Romo is one trick pony. Uh, I will give you that. Like the Romo Nance combo of, of all of the, those group. That's the one that I have zero thoughts of. Um, and, 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 and not a whole lot. The rest of them, you know, I, I see some bad groupings or I hear some bad groupings, that come through. And I think that, you know, there's a reason they're not the national guys. Um, but the, mo the, the, for me, most of those groups, I, I can see and enjoy and, and have a good time listening to. 
and 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 then and then just absorb the game. But um, but you know, I I think that you know you're right in this, and that most fans are probably listening and nodding to you and saying, "You're right, Jim. All these guys stink." And I, you know, I'm just gonna mute it and listen to PA on uh, uh, on the fan. And, and here's where I I might end up having the same opinion as the fans, but for completely different reasons. I think fans are so inundated and gravitate so much to the Homer local call of sporting events that when they hear a national team Mm -hmm. that doesn't cater to their team, they mistake that as bias against their team. And they're absolutely wrong. These people don't give a damn. They don't care. When we're about the Vikings, they're just not going to kiss up to the one team. And, And so that's completely skewed. What I have trouble getting by is my is is my journalistic pickiness because every national team will fly in on Saturday, mm. will meet with the coaches and the players for you know 10, 15 minutes apiece, then will come on on Sunday and act like they know more about that team than anybody else. And usually what they're doing is they're getting snowed. They're getting just they're getting yes. the team's version of events and they're buying it wholesale and they're putting it out to the national audience. And it drives me crazy because they don't have any idea what they're talking about. Well, and here's uh, and like I'll pile on here. Um, the thing that like will make me jump out of my couch and swear at the TV is when it'll be. Oh, you, you read these reports. Yeah. And. Yep. You know, and and this and that. Well, let me tell you what's really going on. And they have no freaking idea. Yeah. And you know, if, if any of the reporting is any in any way critical or um, against, you know, the leadership or a player or this or that, it's ah, uh, you, you know, you read all this and they don't know what they're talking about. And let me let me let me set the record straight. That stuff I hate. I really really do not like it. Um, it is nails on a chalkboard and will like prompt me to subtweet sometimes and things like that. Um, so yeah, when that happens, very, very, uh, very, very against it. Um, but you know, uh, overall just in terms of the, you know, I, I, I guess, and the other part is that that's hard for me in terms of evaluating is I always think back to when I was a kid, and it was Madden and Summerall, right? You know, and and like that was an event. Like, okay, when you had Madden and Summerall, this is how you do it. And I just remember watching it from that angle um, in an entirely different way. This is a different world. And so you evaluate these guys differently. But I think like maybe that's why I gravitate to Michaels a little bit just because he's been around for so freaking long. And maybe he kind of harkens me back to my childhood a little bit more, which is kind of what we're all looking for when we, when we tune in to watch some of these games is like, just reconnect to the boy, you know, in you that got, that got started in it. And I think Al Michaels does a good job of that. You know, you bring up a good point. Uh, last topic here today. Uh, thank you again to our sponsors. Thanks to Brandon Morton. Thank you for listening to talknorth.com. We do appreciate it. Uh, is, you know, Summerall and Madden, they explain the game, but they explain the game like you were sitting next to them on a, at a couch at home, and they didn't overcomplicate it. They didn't weren't showing off their knowledge. Sometimes they probably oversimplified, but Summerall knew how to set the stage. Mm-hmm. Madden knew how to kind of take you down to the sideline, and they made it comfortable and friendly. And I think that's really hard 
for anybody else to recapture or to match. Yeah, it's it's a it's a a bar that's too high. I mean, it's the same thing like what you know, trying to um, compare any NBA studio show to TNT. Like, yep. it, it, there's just there is a chemistry and a comfortability and you know th- their ability to kind of disarm the audience um, was unmatched, and and so you had you know the this Pat Summerall gravitas, like, you know, understated approach, but like when he's a, 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 an economy of words, but the everyone packed a punch. And then you had Madden who was, you know, kind of blabbing all over the place, but it was also, there was some really good football nuggets in there for the hardcore football fan. And then there were, you know, like kind of laughing and, and, and good moments for, um, your mom who is watching with you and trying to figure out, you know, why you like football so much and, and stuff like that. And so like that combination is a ghost that, you know, Monday night football that everyone's been chasing for 30 years and has not been able to replicate and may never be able to replicate. So, um, to compare anyone to that is probably unfair, but unfortunately that's when I grew up. And so that's just the way that that's that is the reference point that I have, and that makes it very difficult uh, to evaluate these guys in in the modern era, you know, in a different way and maybe even a more fair way. Thanks for listening to the Viking Update Show. We'll be back next week to rip the minicamp. Yes.